0: This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the
1: global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Emily Tate, managing director at Mind the Product. Emily, welcome to the Vince of Us podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Terrific, Emily. Thank you for coming. So at this very moment, somewhere on the planet, app developer teams are working on new mobile apps. Some of them are thinking through features of those apps, others ready to launch them on the app store, yet other teams are already marketing those apps to acquire users. It is nonstop. And you bet. All these teams believe their apps are only capable to bring good to this world. Now, did you watch the Black Mirror TV series on Netflix? Oh, of course. The connection between the movie and the app development process? Well, patience. On this episode, among many things, you will get the answer. But first, Emily, let's kick off the episode with talking about you first. Tell us about your background.
0: Yeah, so um, I am managing director for Mind the Product. We're a community of product managers that aims to make product people more successful. Um, From my background, I've been a product manager for over 15 years. So I started off building apps for um, or software for airlines that help run kind of the operations of airlines um, and then moved into building a traveler facing app, um, consumer app. And then eventually into doing consulting for product, and helping multiple other companies build out their own products.
1: Nice. Airlines. So what airlines, by the way?
0: Oh, and so I I worked for a company called Saber Airline Solutions. So we serviced over 400 airlines of varying capacities around the world. Um, My product, uh, the product I had kind of, uh, for the most part, uh, actually was very popular in India, the Middle East and Asia, and it was kind of business analysis uh, software.
1: Gotcha, all right. Now, if you don't mind, pun intended, let's talk about Mind the Product. Tell us about your company. What is, what What mission do you have?
0: Yeah, our mission is to make product people more successful by coming together to further our craft. And basically what we look at is Um, product is a very soft skills focused type of role. So it's not a kind of thing that you can start from point A and go to point B the same way every time. Um, So with that, being good at product management means learning a lot of different tools to have in your tool belt um, and being able to know when to apply those different tools to solve different problems. So, It's not something that's very easy to learn in like a single book or a single training. Um, So we basically grew out of a community of product managers who basically were looking to connect and solve problems together and and help each other figure out how to do this thing that there was really no rule book for. Um, And now we've grown into um, a community all around the world with meetups and conferences and content and a membership program. Uh, that helps product people excel.
1: So you're you're saying uh, you have uh, you have to have a set of certain skills as a product manager, but you have to be ready for surprises because every project will bring new surprises, and uh, there's no way you can be ready for all of those in advance.
0: Right. Um, it's it's one of those fun things where you can have a problem that looks similar and the, the tactic you used to solve it the time before will not work this time. Uh, and so being able to kind of be flexible and really ask the question, like what problem are we trying to solve? What information do we need to solve it or to make a decision? And how are we gonna get that information? And basically taking that those questions on cycle and getting that next bit of information, which then asks the new question: Now, what information do we need to make a decision? Um, and kind of basically, the the tactics you will use to get those answers may be different in each situation.
1: Right. So r- reminds me reminds to me uh, like you know, growing your own baby. It's there isn't a <laughs> way you can get ready in advance to every surprise that comes to your way and yeah even though you may believe you're ready but yeah every time is different and every time is a challenge
0: definitely and i think it has the same kind of underlying thing of all of that has to be guided by a set of underlying principles and values and kind of who you are as a product who you are as a company um same thing with parenting you kind of have your set of principles of like Who are, like, we know the shape we're trying to craft this human into, Uh, exactly how we do it may shift each time.
1: (laughs) All right, so now across the span of your career, uh, can you single out a project, uh, a single one that is your favorite and you would love to work on it again?
0: Yeah, or a single project for me, um, I would, Probably have to say uh, so when I was working with Tripcase, uh, a, a travel management app. So it's a consumer app that you can manage your itineraries in. Um, we were one of the launch apps on the Apple Watch when it came out, um, and it was a really fun project both from the perspective of um, obviously getting to play with new shiny technology, something that hadn't been out there before, um, but really starting from the ground level of figuring out what is the use case for a smartwatch in the context of travel, um, which opened up a lot of discussion and a lot of thinking around how could this help travelers? What what are the the blue sky possibilities? What are all the different ways that this could be used? And dreaming of that future and then having the opportunity to turn it into something actual. Um, I think some of those use cases didn't quite come to fruition like we thought they might, but it was still a really fun journey to be on
1: yeah i bet because uh if i remember correctly i mean um, back then when apple watch was launched there, there were many assumptions what would be the use case for the device um a lot of apps were launched a lot of um, big applications for ios launched their versions of their all those apps on uh, uh watch os but by now, if you check the App Store, you'll see that not not many apps from variables ver- are still there. I mean, the versions of the iOS applications. It's because the use case by now is more or less uh, known. It's for the most for the most part, it's about health. It's about um, you know messaging, probably, but health. It's like the number one. But back then, I bet it was just uh, you know pure exploration uh, endeavor, right?
0: It definitely was. Uh, I I remember kind of getting the first, so Apple Watch was kind of the main one, but we also were working on several different uh, partners and smartwatches. Um, and like, everyone was looking for the killer app. Everyone was saying like, what is the thing? And when I got my first Apple Watch and my friends would say, what's the thing that like, why am I gonna buy this expensive smartwatch? Um, and I remember kind of sheepishly saying like, Honestly, the most useful thing to me is getting my text messages on my wrist so that, like, I don't have to pull my phone out and I can just see who, you know, see who just sent me something or see notifications um, and help triage. And we all wanted there to be, like, just these life changing um, different kinds of use cases with smartwatches. And really, uh, I think a big part of it as well is like, Fitbit had already been around for a long time. Um, It wasn't in smartwatch form, but it was in wearable form. And everyone kind of didn't want the killer use case to be health because Fitbit kind of already had that and we want this to be special. But at the end of the day, that really is, it's especially for me, I know it's, it's health and notifications are the killer apps of smartwatches, which isn't the sexiest thing, but valuable.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm asking this question regarding my Apple Watch and my wrist. And uh, for me, um, when I hear that people may, may not may, may uh, have a, an opinion that you know, uh, healthcare is not a big enough reason for Apple Watch to exist, <laughs> my, my answer would be, "Hello, your health. It's important. Yes. If that's the only reason for Apple Watch to exist, it's, that's that's you know, big enough for me." So, yeah, I, t- I totally get the idea and I hope that, you know, as time goes by, Apple will improve the hardware even better to make it even more useful and pick up even more signals about your health and bring more value. You
0: know, like it's... We, we went to discount health, but I think about, you know, my my dad has some heart conditions and actually his doctor recommended he get an Apple watch, which would then allow him to actually start to reduce some of his heart medications because they could see the real-time signals faster. And like, that's huge, that's changing, that, that is life-changing for him. Um, and it's interesting for me to see my heart rate, like that, it's, it's, it's still a good thing regardless.
1: Exactly, I mean, um a lot of uh big scale research in medicine were done only thanks to apple watch because uh, all of a sudden um medical institutions could launch uh, researchers that were, were just not in impo- were just impossible before apple watch you couldn't re- recruit tens of thousands hundreds of thousand uh, people to you know participate in a project before it was just um just not feasible now let's switch the gears a little bit and talk about the difference between uh, working on the mobile project and uh, mobile app project and web app project? What's the difference between these two from a you know, project management perspective? The app industry is vast. To navigate this space, you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners, and you need to know who are the best. Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now, back to the show.
0: Yeah, from product management perspective, I think kind of, there's a lot of the similar things. You're still asking the question of what problem are we trying to solve? I think the main thing when you think about mobile apps is you're also asking like, what form factor are we solving for? Are we solving this on? Um, And what is the context that they're going to be using it in? Because, uh, you know, even obviously with laptops, you can be mobile, you can go places, but you kind of know that people are sitting down, they probably have Wi Fi, they probably have decent Wi Fi, hopefully. And you can kind of better predict the environment in which they're going to be using your product. With a mobile phone, they might be sitting on their couch, they might be on a train, they might be running through an airport, they might be in a park while their kids are doing other things. Uh, And so you kind of have to consider multiple use cases and multiple scenarios in which they can use it. Um, The other big aspect is data availability. So you cannot assume with a mobile app that data is always going to be available. And there's nothing more frustrating for a user than opening an app that really has no reason that it needs to be connected to the internet and not being able to use it because you don't have internet connection or you have weak internet connection right now. Um, And the truth is a lot of the world still doesn't have, you know, 4G, 5G availability broadly. So we need to be building apps in ways that they can be used regardless of the network connectivity you're going to have.
1: Yeah, we're we're living in an interesting world. In some parts of the world, you can expect, you know, 5G to be full or all out by now. For millions of users in some areas, people are still dreaming about 3G, even though it's kind of like a decade age technology, but it's not there yet. Um, by the way, what do you think about um, uh, web apps right now? Do you see any use case like, uh, you know, having a firsthand experience, what would be the use case for web apps today? Um, any specific categories like, uh, why? what's the reason for this e- existing today? Uh,
0: for web apps in general, yep. um, I mean, I think there's lots of good, like, there's lots of use cases for web apps, particularly kind of using them on a laptop. Um, even using web apps on a, you know, on a phone, on a mobile device. Um, I think that there's, so the use cases list to me about the end user on the web app use case and more about make the kind of some of the development things that you can do. So. it's a a trade-off, it's a sacrifice of some of the like native functionality specific types of things versus what you can do within a web app. But when you build a web app, you don't necessarily have to build four different versions of that app to reach all of the different kinds of platforms that are out there. Um, So I think that that's kind of, the use case I think is a little bit speed to market (laughs) when it comes to web apps uh, to be able to get the most broadly distributed app scenario
1: got you now if you think about it the single characteristic you can attach to pretty much all big mobile app projects since their inception in the silicon valley would be an optimism people implemented ideas into apps like they're living in the ideal world where none of those apps can be used by bad actors what would you suggest young entrepreneurs to be mindful about from the day one, to not regret about months or years later?
0: Definitely, I you, we all want to change the world, and that's kind of it. Became the Silicon Valley trope of like we'll be changing the world through not our world. You know, our mobile game, um, and and we do. We start off from the assumption that like everything is going to be fine. I, this is I have good intention, um. The thing that I always encourage people to do is to go, is to basically intentionally think about the bad actors and to go through a process. And The question that I like to ask is like, what would trolls do? What would the worst people on the internet do with my product to find a way to cause harm? And in many, many cases, there are things that can be used to cause harm. Um, you know, there are lots of examples out there of things like domestic abusers using uh, nest thermostats to basically torture their mate by either turning the heat way up in the summer, or making it super cold in the winter while they were out of the house and locking them out of the capability to change it. You've seen uh, smart home technologies be used to monitor partners and, um, and different people. Um, you see there was a case where uh, Strava in a very seemingly innocent feature of showing a heat map of where people were running around the world actually exposed military bases in the middle of war zones. Um, and like all of these things are like, it was a good thing. It was nothing intended to be bad, but it can be used for harm. And so we have to proactively think about those things. So um, I know, you know, when I was uh when I was building some features with Tripcase, we started looking at some of the things at the time. Of course, social was really big, uh, still is. Um, And one of the most obvious features that we could do was to make a button that would say, hey, like post on Facebook, I'm traveling to California today and super excited about it. Um, And we started thinking about it and started realizing that we were broadcasting that someone was not going to be home. Onto their social media, which then you could easily see where someone could use that to say, "Okay, they're not going to be home. This is the time I'm going to go break into their house." Um, other things of that, because there were some, like some, some people wanted to kind of make it like automatically post that you were that you were traveling. It's like, okay, I am traveling to, uh, you know, a city. I'm, I'm traveling to Cupertino. Okay, who might you be going to talk to? Are you interviewing for a new job? Are you going to talk to a company that you might be acquiring? That now somebody can go and speculate on your stock, and you know there are all these use cases where it's like automatically posting that somebody was traveling had it didn't take very long to think about how that could go poorly. Um, so we kind of we basically just decided not to do it. Uh, there we made things where people could share if they wanted to, but as an auto feed of posting, um, it just it, there were too many ways that it could cause harm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In my mind, there's a uh, this even uh, more uh, dare case uh, pops up, which is the um, you know world famous uh, tech journalist Kara Swisher used to provide this example when she was in the Facebook headquarters and she was uh, right in the moment when the company was about to release live broadcasting feature. She was asking them guys, um, "What if somebody would try to broadcast some awful things like you know shooting somebody or, or stuff?" And she was basically laughed out of the room because, you know, you're too pessimistic people and not be doing that. You know, years later, the horrible mass shooting in New Zealand, we all remember that somebody was doing that shooting and uh, broadcasting live on Facebook. So be very carefully, the bigger audience you're getting for your app, the more responsibility you get, the more thoughtful we should be about the externalities we're just discussing right now. Is Emily? It's a big responsibility when you're reaching so many people um, at the same time and uh, letting the information flow between them on a just humongous scale.
0: Definitely, I think that there's another element as well, though, which is like, of course, the easy examples to go to, and I just fell into this as well. Of like, it's it's really easy to 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 point to the negative, you know, the bad actors of live streaming a mass shooting or accidentally exposing military bases. But I think the other danger that we have is that most of us are not doing things that have that level of impact, that have that kind of, you know, so it's it's easy to dismiss that and go, that's Facebook's problem. That yeah. is Nest's problem. But that My app is not going to have anything of that sort. Um, but you think about things like, um, we actually, we had a, a speaker at one of our Mind the Product conferences uh, named Mariah Hay from Pluralsight, which is a learning platform, sounds pretty innocuous, like you can't, can't really do much harm with that, can you? Um, they started looking at some of the features that employers were asking them to put in around being able to see the the, the test scores of pe- of their employees who were taking these self-paced learning courses through Pluralsight. And as they started digging into interviews more, they realized that what some of these companies were wanting to do was use this as a portion of the evaluation of who gets promoted and what projects they get put on. And her team started talking about it and realizing that like, we are setting our product up to cause harm and be the reason that somebody doesn't get a promotion because they didn't make a good enough score on their optional learning course. Um, and and again, decided not to build the feature. They built some other stuff. They got the the employer the things that they needed to be able to you know justify their LND investment and those kinds of things. But by having those conversations up front of like how could this go wrong? How could this be used in a way that weaponizes my product against our users? Um, they were able to make a different evaluation.
1: That's a great point and great example, Emily. And for listeners, this is the moment when I promised you just a few minutes ago that we're going to be covering a question that is related to Black Mirror TV series. So if you just Google up on Netflix, I guess the TV series were premiered in 2018. And just check out any episode on that show and you will see exactly why I'm bringing that show to this episode as an example of this is the actual Black Mirror check out the movie and see what the, you know, how things can go bad with some, you know, good intentions initially, but, you know, the outcome is very horrible. Uh, but we're just, uh, we, we, we've covered the question, what are we suggesting to people who are, people who are at the beginning of the road of creating an app? But even a tougher question, what would you suggest to people who are launched the app, have gained the momentum, and now it turns out that they didn't think about it possible externalities, but they are there. What can you do, except just signing what was I thinking about?
0: For me, I think um, first start, you know, like admitting that you made a mistake is is step one. And I think that we are so hesitant to do that. Um, So many, you see it all the time that companies are like, we didn't do anything wrong or try to excuse it away. Like, well, we really meant to do fine. And there's no way we could have seen that. Like, I think it's okay to say you're like, We didn't see this coming and it didn't go well. Um, The other thing I will say is you may not be able to fix the harm that has already been caused, but you can prevent further harm. So turn off the feature. Like, If you have something that you realize is being misused, don't spend too much time trying to talk yourself out of why this harm is okay to have or why it's just one edge case. Like, Shut it down. Just stop anyone else from being harmed until you can figure out how to mitigate against that. Um, I think that that's kind of the biggest thing. From there, depending on the situation, a lot of it's gonna be about then, how can you, how can you repair the harm or how can you apologize for the harm that you've caused? Um, because pretending like it didn't happen is not the option. Um, it's, it's not the right thing to do. Ethically, it's not the right thing to do um even just from a, a, a pr perspective to make sure that people know that like we take this seriously and so that and to start to rebuild some of the trust because that's the other big piece is you will have lost trust with your customers with the market um with with the media and like taking the steps that you can to make inroads to rebuilding trust will be important
1: I've heard this pretty famous rules of uh, crisis management basically three parts acknowledge the problem, take responsibility, and try to overcompensate the problem. If you can do all these three parts, you're a really good manager, you're a really good uh, leader of your company. Okay, last time I checked, uh, there were 5.4 million apps, uh, both App Store and Google Play and right in iOS apps. So when somebody today is taking and creating a new app, what would you suggest her or him he to consider to create an app that actually can you know, have a chance to break through this competition, to be found, to be seen, to make to make a difference in people's lives?
0: This is where I feel like uh, my my product management side comes in, because really it starts by um, understanding your users, understanding the problem you're trying to solve, um, and doing the user research and discovery up front to make sure that you're solving their problem in the right way. Um, And I think that for a long time, everything was just build an app. Like anything that we wanted to do, it was like, well, clearly we're gonna start by building an app. But first of all, ask yourself, is an app the actual thing that we need? Is that the right thing to solve this problem? Um, Once you kind of get into that, it's all about Getting your, getting your product out there and finding the the users to start using it, to give you feedback um, and to, to be those influencers for you. So to be the ones who will, uh, you know, share your product on their social media, who will give you the reviews in the app store, because uh, I mean, there's a reason that every podcast, every app, every anything that's out there in these ecosystems asks for, you know, ask for the five-star reviews um, because that actually does help with your discoverability in the app stores and helps you kind of get into those things. Um, I will also say as much as you can, particularly if you are going into Google Play and into the Apple App Store, um, do, do the things that you can to see if you can get featured as an app. Um, I, have, I have had apps that have been featured in the app store that we saw our downloads spike and shoot way up. Um, and a lot of those users ended up retaining as well. Um, I've I've seen podcasts that get that kind of featured spot in the in the podcast store and all of a sudden it shoots way up and their subscribers trickle. And um, so like those promotions do help. They can be hard to get. You need to kind of like work the contacts and kind of be a little bit scrappy within that. But when you can, um, they pay off. And then I think the other big thing is like, build a good product. Uh, at the end of the day, there are a ton of apps out there many, many, many of them are terrible. Um, you know, a lot of them, even like if you look for a, a given type of app, you may find 48 different apps that do the thing that you want to do. But when you look at the reviews and when you try them out, you know, 47 of them don't live up to the promise. Um, so if, if you take the time and the energy to kind of build you know, build the best thing that you can um, and make sure that you're solving an actual problem for users who need their problem solved in that way, you're giving yourself the best chance of success in the app store. Um, Like with any product out there, you can do everything right and still not break through. So uh, I think that's the other big thing is to remember that, you know, what's the stat with businesses? Like, 80% of new businesses fail, I suspect for apps is probably even bigger than that. Um, So give yourself some grace if things don't immediately take off the way that you would like them to. Um, But all that you can do is kind of set yourself up for success the best way you can.
1: Yeah, that's a really great advice to be ready, not only for the success, but for a failure. But that may not be a failure, your expectations were unreasonable. Uh, Just, uh, yeah. Do like as as bad as we can, have a great great strategy. Don't be scared of by the numbers I just given to you, 5.4 million apps, just a number. If you do the market research, just like Emily said, you may realize those other apps are not really doing the great job. They're missing the target, and you can do better. Okay, we've just covered the major topic on the table. That was the first part of the show. We're transitioning to the second part, which is a small one. And this is the place where I get a chance to ask every guest on the show, just a very few quick questions. So the people who are listening to us can know you better. Here we go. Question number one, what smartphone do you have now? Uh, Have you been switching between these two big camps, iOS and Android, or just staying one side?
0: yeah, so I'm an iPhone user right now, fully locked into the Apple ecosystem. Um, I have not always been. So I started off with iPhone. Well, I it wasn't uh, I was an early iPhone user. Um, I switched to Android uh, actually due to some international travel and uh, the phone plans that you could get that would give me international data. Um, so for about two years, I was on a Google Pixel. Um, and then when I moved to London in 2020, I switched back to iPhone because of iMessage because my family can text me with iMessage for free.
1: <laughs> I see. So back to the family, back to Apple's ecosystem. Um, what was the first mobile phone uh, You know, before the smartphone era?
0: Oh, my first mobile phone was a Nokia Um Oh, I used to know the number. I want to say like 6,500. I could be wrong, but I was really proud of it because it had the buttons that were the easiest to play snake with. Um, So um, Uh, for sure. And actually, that would be the first cell phone that I I actually wanted and I liked. but before that, I had a car phone uh, showing my age a little bit that actually was like in a bag connect- you plugged into the uh, into the, the cigarette lighter and had the antenna that you'd have to pull up in order to get signal. Um, so that was, that was actually my first.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I think, he, I bet you could use that smartphone for self-defense. That was really <laughs> bulky. Uh, Okay, getting back to present. Um, Imagine you left your home uh, and left your smartphone and you're sitting on the table. What would be the most missing feature for you when you're out?
0: I'm going to give two answers because they're both, they're kind of related, Uh, very utilitarian. One, I live in London um, and so CityMapper as an app is my best friend, which helps you It's basically Google Maps, but very, very good at navigating public transportation. So I can always see, even if I'm going from my home to the office, I will regularly look at CityMapper just to see if any tube lines are delayed or down or if I need to make any changes. So CityMapper would be one, um, but then also Apple Pay because I never pull out my credit cards anymore. Everything here is contactless. um, And so I just use Apple Pay for everything.
1: Gotcha. Now, um, when you're looking at your iPhone right now, probably there's something that is missing for you. Could be hardware, software, and when I say missing, I don't mean specifically something. You know, doing something more, some extra feature. Probably, you know, um, something that helps you to keep the balance better with with your device in your life.
0: Yeah, I the. The thing that there, there is an app that I was put on to several years ago uh, that helps me keep balance, particularly. So I, I have ADHD, I have trouble focusing. Um, a smartphone is a terrible temptation when I'm actually needing to get stuff done because I can always find something to procrastinate with on there. Uh, and there's an app called Forest, um, so like the woods, um, that is a, it's basically a focus timer. So you you plant a tree in quotes, uh, you plant a virtual tree and say, I'm gonna focus for 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever you want, um, and you hit start. And then if you go back to your phone in that time, you kill the tree that you were growing. And if you hit that time, then the tree grows and you have it in your garden on your little app. It's completely cheesy, completely ridiculous. But I use it during the workday all the time to say, OK, I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes getting through my emails and it, I will pick up my phone and I will see it there. I'm like, I don't want to kill my trees, so they all set it back down and go back to what I should be doing. So.
1: That's a terrific concept. I thought only the regular timer app exists for, uh, you know, timing your work. But actually, that's a better idea. Not just, you know, showing people the seconds that are going by, but giving them a reason not to touch the device for a certain period of time. All right, before I let you go, just very, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and know more about what you do?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at, or Instagram, Twitter. Well, you can find me on Instagram too, but it's less interesting there. Um, Twitter at the Daily M, so the Daily E-M. And then you can find us on, uh, at mindtheproduct.com uh, just like Mind the Gap, like the London Tube, but Mind the Product.
1: Yeah, remember, Mind the Gap. That's that's what you, This is what you remember from a London Tube. All right. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast and spending time with us, Emily. Thank you.
0: Thank you. It's been fun.
1: And that was Emily Tate, Managing Director at Mind the Product. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps. And you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe. You will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please, don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.